Hey everyone, Rollo McFlugel of Inside McFlugel's Mind here. Moment of Rage is brought to you by Liberty Mugs. We've been writing about libertarianism over at McFlugel.com since 2012. We thought it was time to branch out, so we launched Liberty Mugs. It gives us yet another way to help spread the messages of peace and freedom. We offer mugs with a variety of libertarian themes, which are perfect for helping you continue to talk your friends and co-workers ears off, even when you have to pause to take a drink. We have fun with our mugs and poke fun at everyone, including libertarians. After all, we take ourselves a little too seriously sometimes. But we also want to help people learn, so we offer resources on the site for each mug about its theme. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook and let us know how you like your mug there. Help us make the state obsolete one mug at a time. Back to the show after this. Liberty Mugs. How do you take your liberty? Seventeenth of April, twenty eighteen, and I'm going to play episode one of the State Smash podcast, which should be uh, approved by all the peeps soon. And uh, it's a podcast where I'm gonna try and really get at the issues um, from many as many perspectives as possible that would get people on board with an anarchist revolution. So, this is episode one. I interview uh, Matthew King, a rifleman for the U.S. Marine Corps. Uh, he's a combat veteran, and he is now an anarchist and anti-war. So, uh, if this interests you, the State Smash podcast should be up soon. And I just want—I thought this interview was very informative, and could take the place today of Moment of Rage. So. Uh, feel free to tune out if that doesn't sound interesting, but uh, that's what today is going to be. Be well. I will see you all next week. Welcome to the State Smash Podcast. This is going to be episode one of yet another anarchist podcast because you needed yet another anarchist podcast in your life, and I am going to bring it to you uh, twice a week. It's going to be available on timetofree.us, my platform that you can join if you are into that, where it'll be an anarchist hub of, um, you know, basically anything that people want to post related to how effectively to end the state. And uh, the State Smash podcast will be sponsored by Liberty Mugs. Um, Liberty Mugs is your source for printed libertarian mugs and uh, has variability you can contact them if you want your design on a mug it's 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 good stuff done by good people um not now like just to do some housekeeping before the first episode of state smash uh you will be able to find this on um itunes google play and stitcher once i get the approval but um i do not have the 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 podcast set up as of yet as of the 17th of April 2018, which is when I'm recording this, because you have to have several episodes up, I think. And either way, this is 
starting out as a live recording so you'll you won't be able to find it yet but when you when it is available i will be able to send out a link and you should be able to access it as you know it in any format you want on any device you want to access it on um so that out of the way because i think that should be dealt with by probably saturday when i get a couple episodes up hmm. um this is going to be episode one. I am interviewing uh, an anti-war combat veteran. He was a rifleman uh, in the USMC, and he was uh, he's seen combat, which some people have not. Uh, so he should have a fairly interesting perspective. Uh, mind introducing yourself and saying, uh, you know, where people can find you in case they can't uh, finish this uh, cast right now. Absolutely. My name is Matthew King. Uh, you can find me at Sanleta, uh, spelled S-A-N-S-L-E-T-A-T. -T. Uh, I'm on, I've got a website, withoutthestate.org. I'm still working on content for that. I'm also on Steemit at Mr. Smee 360 that's M-R for Mr. Uh, and uh, Hatreon, the same tag. Uh, and uh, if I could just say, uh, most veterans have not seen combat uh actual combat so just uh just to clarify things uh, not that i'm glorifying myself but uh it, it, just to show that i i can offer a, a unique perspective uh on this subject of anarchism and uh anti-war yeah and you know it's interesting that you say that because you mentioned that in the chat uh before the show basically uh most of the combat veterans that i have spoken to that have been willing to speak to me have been more receptive to the more extreme anarchist ideas because they've seen it up close and personal. They've been in the teeth of it. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it is a good distinction and there's no glory necessary in like realizing that you are part of the problem. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean th that, that to me is, is the opposite of glorification and it's really good that you mentioned that. Right. Right. Um, like I could think of ten different ways we can we can take this this rabbit hole of uh, uh, the perspective of someone who's been in the the machine who's been part of the the machinations of the state and tying that into anarchism. Uh, but I believe you wanted to start with um, how I got to that point. Is it that right? Well, I, I want to start with who you were before you went in. Like what what convinced you to join? Right. Uh, well, uh, growing up. Uh, didn't have any political or religious leanings whatsoever. I was very neutral in that regard. Uh, my parents just had me very focused on school, but I didn't really have a direction. So uh, they put me into uh, junior ROTC. Uh, uh, I was I went willingly, of course. Uh, it seemed, you know, romantic and appealing, and thinking I would join the military and it would be cool or whatever. Uh, I did very well at at the uh, junior ROTC stuff way back. Uh, graduated high school back in 2006. Uh, went to boot camp for the Marine Corps uh, when I was 17, uh, specifically to be a rifleman in the infantry. And uh, I was just naive. I, I didn't have any opinion about the war, the wars that were going on at that time, you know, Afghanistan and, and Iraq. Uh, so I just kind of went for it. Uh, and uh, in retrospect, it was a rite of passage, uh, just a coming into manhood, if you will, uh, just having really no philosophical understanding of, of anything existentialism or purpose that's in retrospect that's what it was to me uh i went to afghanistan in 2009 for the big push uh thanks obama 
uh, <laughs> uh, Operation Strike of the Sword was the name of that operation. Uh, now there's a, an important detail that's part of this story. Uh, my platoon, which is about 25 guys, and another platoon, we were sent in to this, this area uh, that was only occupied by British Royal Marines. Uh, and they didn't really patrol out very far on foot, mind you, uh, maybe one kilometer. So essentially, we were in more or less uncharted territory, uh, just riddled with, with Taliban. So anyway, two platoons were sent in 10 days prior to this big operation. It was a brigade level, which is just massive, thousands of Marines. Uh, and the intent was for us to be bait, essentially. They, they called it a faint operation. Uh, so we were to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Taliban uh, and make them think that only you know, 60 or so guys are, are landing uh, and they would be able to, to hang with us, so to speak. Uh, and we did go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. They weren't very good at what they did, uh, except for the IEDs. Uh, those are obviously uh, incircumnavigable. You just half the time you don't know when they're there. Uh, firefights, uh, you know, they're rather cowardly, but that's besides the point. Uh, so 10 days in, the main brigade lands, and uh, they pretty much dispersed after that. For the most part, there were still casualties after that. Uh, our platoon, of course, was one of the ones that were uh, experiencing some of this stuff. Uh, I'll forego a lot of the details. It's not really appropriate for this context. But um, there wasn't really time to think during the deployment to reflect on what was happening. We were just constantly going. Uh, we really didn't have anything. We didn't have you know, air conditioning. and uh, hot food and it just it was not nice it was not the, the typical and no offense to you army guys who were uh, who <laughs> had it rough but the, the cliche with marines is that uh, the army really has it easy and they don't know how easy they have it uh, we, we had no luxuries really uh, sleeping under the stars on the ground for you know mostly seven months so when I got back it was rough for a couple of years uh, just psychologically speaking it was it was very rough went through a really rough time and uh, I realized that the faint operation that I mentioned, where we were essentially the bait for 10 days, that was the sort of uh, a turning point after the fact when I realized we we're just a, a number. This is very cliche, but it's, it's true. We were just a number. We were just being used uh, for this massive, widely misunderstood foreign policy. Uh, of course, there's a lot more that goes into it. We could get much more philosophical with that. I know you can as well. Yep. Uh, so. To where I am now, I just uh, I had some anarchist friends in Seattle where I used to live. Uh, they they really turned me on to onto these uh, these ideologies. I don't want to call it an ideology, but I'll call it that for now. Uh, started getting into various things on YouTube, documentaries, even even Infowars was was much more anti-establishment than they had become recently, um, given this last election. Uh, then I started getting into uh, a little bit of literature. I haven't had time to get deep into literature, but certain things like the market for liberty, for example, from uh, from Mises, uh, it's a, a good example of what allowed me to to see how an anarchist society could work uh, in a very pragmatic way. It really breaks things down. Have you had a chance to read that by chance? Uh, not that one, no. Okay, okay, it, it's excellent, really good. When people ask, well, how would this work? How would that work? Who would build the roads? Right? Uh, it's they break that down to every minute detail, and it's it's a uh, mental torture. But it's great. Uh, more recently, certain inspirations like Julia Turiansky, uh, "Brave the World" is her her handle. 
uh, and Cody Wilson is, is another one. Uh, he, he takes anarchism into a whole new uh, dimension. He even, I hate to say this, but he even takes uh, postmodernism into and applies it to anarchism. It's very interesting. That's pretty much where I am now. I'm trying to be an investigative journalist uh, for uh, regarding human rights violations and government corruption uh, all around the world. That's what I'd really like to get into. That's what I'm allegedly studying for, but they don't really teach that at the schools. Uh, so that's about well, it. Well, yeah, they they wouldn't want to teach about human right, human rights violations. That would make a lot of the other stuff that they try to pump up as positive seem a lot less positive. Right, right. Well, I, when you start getting into um, exposing how human rights are violated, and then it links back to the uh, progressive establishment, not to get all left right on you, but uh, this is a thing that's really happening. Yeah, then the uh, these progressive institutions. Uh, they will absolutely shut you down, as we've seen so many times. Well, and the, the, of course they'll shut you down because they they want to see people conform to an ideology that makes them good tax cattle. I mean, realistically, um, Japan was a travesty. It was it was huge, huge carnage on a scale that had never been seen before. And like the U.S. gets to call everybody else crazy when the U.S. was the only one to use nukes. You know, mm -hmm. miss me with that. Um, and I, I, I want to get some perspective on what the JROTC program was like. Uh, it, it, some people, I, I could see they would think it's like uh, they're, they're training you to want to kill, uh, you know, brown people in sandy countries. Uh, just to get that off the table, it's, it's, that's not it at all. Not that you were thinking that. Uh, it was essentially just a leadership course that was really the, the foundation of it it was just how to be a leader um, but then they would apply that to a military setting um, a lot of drilling memorization of all kinds of stuff movements and whatnot how, how to move physically in unison with other people um, but at, at its core it was leadership and i did gain a lot from from the leadership aspects of that course that's really it it was it was pretty um relatively uh benign and and on that level um, because you mentioned leadership, uh, is it basically then essentially like sort of an intro to the idea of boot camp? Is it like similar to it, but much lighter? In some aspects, yeah, yeah, they do get you accustomed to to that environment to a degree, but ultimately, uh, nothing can, very little can really prepare you for for boot camp. But I, I would say it did help me a little bit. But it's again it really focuses on mostly just just leadership in a military setting but you can take the leadership lessons and apply it anywhere in life even in, in an anarchist or anti-war community all right and, and so you mentioned that you were part of uh part of an operation under uh what the obama administration yes and um under that uh, under that administration, how was the sentiment? What was the sort of vibe um, of the people on the ground? Did they feel connected to the administration or not? No, no. Honestly, we're we're very far removed from from politics. And, and mind you, I was uh, I think I was twenty when I deployed, and uh, you know, from seventeen to twenty, I was just in you know, active duty in the Marine Corps. So uh, I still I was basically still in high school, you know, mentally speaking. Uh, just so, so no, there were no politics was really involved. In fact, I didn't know who we were even really fighting at the time. Uh, perhaps if I'd followed the news, I would know. But at that time, I was completely ignorant of 
what was happening. It was it was purely just honestly uh, just a kind of a a brutal indoctrination um, as far as how we regard the enemy. Uh, it's there is no and this is classical for for war that there is no regard for the for the opposition as being human. Uh, they're just simply a symbol or an object that we have to kill. Uh, and the, the word kill, I, I couldn't tell you how many times that, that was repeated throughout uh, uh, this whole you know, four years. So basically, they, they sort of numbed you to the idea so that you could do it more effectively. Yes, precisely. Exactly. Without hesitation. Uh, and another concept that goes in line with that is uh, their definition of discipline, the military definition, as far as I can recall, is um, not that they have their own dictionary per se, but uh, it's it's instant, willing obedience to orders. So yes, to to be numb and to act without hesitation. That's right. And and of course that concept is to save your life and the lives of, of those around you. But in in a macrocosm, it's much bigger than that. It's because you're you're a disposable number. Yeah. Well, and, and, and on that level, it's to get you to ignore the, because when you're in the teeth of it, I, I imagine that it has uh, a whole, a, a whole lot of pressures that you wouldn't experience elsewhere. And, um, and that those pressures might get you to think more in the moment and more about that moment than the greater impact of your actions, because it's not like you can plan that sort of thing out, especially with IEDs everywhere. Right, right. Um, yeah, you, you just have to go for it. I mean, it, one of the things they literally train us to do is uh, just to go directly towards where the fire is coming from, uh, and, it, and it's effective. It works. Uh, if they're shooting at you, I mean, there's, there's a strategy to get to where they are, of course. There, there's a way to do it, but you go straight for them. Uh, so hesitation in those moments can get people killed, and I can say firsthand that uh, my squad leader, who is just a – can I swear, by the way? Oh yeah, yeah. This is okay. If if people couldn't swear, this would be a very short podcast because anarchy is is not about controlling words. It's about um, freeing minds and ideas. Yeah, swear all swear all you want. All right. So, so my my squad leader was a, a crazy sick fuck, but if he hadn't acted without hesitation and and in one particular instance brought us directly to where the enemy was at this particular building, uh, then we would have been sitting ducks. So. It was stupid, and some. I'm surprised none of us in, in our squad in that moment got shot. We were wide open, but uh, so the training. It's it, there's a a dual purpose there. It, there is a practicality to it, but uh, yeah, ultimately it's just to make us killing machines. Yeah, and 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 in that regard, by the way, because I know that there are some things that veterans can't talk about, um, but. In in terms of of making you into a number, uh, how many of your like I guess platoon mates felt similarly uh, to the way you do about basically being thrown into what seems like a meat grinder to be to be consumed by somebody else? I I, I wish I could give them kept in touch with with many of them, even though I feel like I truly feel inside that if if we were to all meet again, we would be like brothers, like like we're back in. You know, 2009. Uh, I really, I've only kept in touch with one, and uh, I know that he feels the same way um, for a fact. Uh, he, he was one of the few that was very um, uh, empathetic. Well, I don't want to say empathetic, but 
he thought about the situation a, a bit more broadly than the others. Um, I just I haven't taken the time to try to get a hold of my other squad mates. It's really been was easier to forget and move on and start a new life. Right. Yeah. And and but by the way, thank you to you and any other veteran who's willing to come on this program and discuss these things because it can't be easy to relive. I mean, th there there's there's a lot that goes into you know, trying to clear your mind of that sort of shit later, trying to reverse the indoctrination and what impact it had on your decisions. So and I, I definitely appreciate your, your being willing to go public with some of these things with your uh, with your feelings here. But I appreciate the platform and this, this opportunity. Um, you know, I, to go back to, you know, the, the difficulty of being able to, to speak about something like this, people process things differently. Two guys can be side by side and they take it totally differently, psychologically speaking. Um, uh, and uh, what was his name? Sebastian, uh, Sebastian Younger, I believe is his name. Yeah, uh, he writes about this in, in Tribe. Uh, well, uh, I don't know about this specifically, but at least in a TED Talk, I'm sorry, I accidentally plugged his book. But uh, uh, in a TED Talk, he, he spoke about the effects of long-term PTSD, or rather instances of long-term PTSD and short-term PTSD. Uh, and generally speaking, long-term PTSD is a bit of a myth. Uh, the VA has a broken system in which uh, if you don't get better, they keep giving you money. If you do get better, they stop giving you money. So you're, it's, it's, it's ass backwards. Uh, so a, a lot of veterans are, they're able to get better, but there's always, uh, there's always some residual effects. There's always stuff that, that's going to affect you. I mean, get me drunk and just see how I fall apart. You know, it's it's not good. But uh, anyway, I'm getting off off the, getting astray here. Um, I don't think so. I think that like, I I think that p people don't recognize what they're gonna get into. You know, I mean, to bring it back to like who you were before, I'm yeah. sure that you you were inundated by all the recruitment posters in high school, all the ads that made you just look like a badass that didn't show anybody dying, didn't you know? There's no smell of vision. You can't smell the stink when when the bowels release. There's yeah. there's 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 no comparison to being actually there. Yeah. And the stink, yeah, that's that's uh, that is real, <laughs> absolutely. I'm sure you've talked to some of your your friends and acquaintances. Yeah, uh, well, it, part of it was really uh, some, some friends in high school who were my they were senior to me, and they they had joined, and uh, a good number of them had joined the infantry in the Marine Corps, and I uh, I felt compelled to follow suit, just like this very romanticized idea of of war. And that, that's the problem is that it's romanticized and it shouldn't be. And and, and I think you, you might have mentioned this in, in your video. Uh, what was the name of the, the video the, that we just mentioned earlier that you did? Oh, yeah. Um, I did this video. If any of y'all want to go check it out, it was my first video recorded on a shitty Microsoft Surface tablet and like like in the middle of the desert somewhere. Um, I just got really angry at Veterans Day because it's basically just a corporate bullshit platform. Um but it's called International Anti-War Day because I wanted Veterans Day to start being called that. And and this correlates with, with your video and it was your video was well done and it, it well represents my perspective. Uh, we need to stop romanticizing war, uh, stop stigmatizing the critique of veterans. Uh, I'll say, and this pisses a lot of veterans off, I, I'm not, uh, I don't want people to thank me. I really don't. I don't. I don't take that to heart. Uh, 
when, when they thank me. It means nothing to me. Uh, we need to, in fact, stop support all support for veterans saying I, I, I'm against the war, but I support the troops. No, stop supporting the troops too. Uh, the understanding of their situation, but don't put that, that magnet or that bumper sticker on your car and, and say, well, I support guys going to war. No, just don't do it. Withdraw all consent for it. Well, and of course, if you support the troops, what you're not saying is support the troops. What you're really saying is support the war effort because the troops, the best way to support them would be to stop, you know, making pawns to send over in, you know, in, in these worthless conflicts, at least worthless to the common man. And, you know, to realize the human potential to interconnect rather than to destroy, that would be supporting the troops. But then it wouldn't be supporting troops and you wouldn't get to feel like you were part of something vicariously. Because that's what it really is. It's fucking cowardice. If you support the troops, then what you're really saying is, I'm not over there, um, but I definitely support the idea of somebody being over there, just not me. And, you know, so please take my money so that those other people can be over there doing the awful stuff. And uh, I won't think about it. I wash my hands of it. America. <laughs> and, and, and most of them are just naive kids, you know, yeah. 17, 18, 19, 20 year old kids who just don't know anything about the world. Uh, I, I mean, saying you, you, you're against the war, but you support the troops. You're still kind of supporting the war by supporting the troops uh, and, and thereby you're supporting killing a lot of innocent people, women, children. I mean, Drone strikes. Uh, you know, Jeremy Scahill, for example, he, he's done the, he did the assassination complex. It was this this sort of a book and a and a, this, this very dynamic website. Something that he points out is that 90% of the, the the victims of drone strikes are civilians. I mean, it, it's it, and airstrikes basically the same thing. It's absurd. So we also need to think about people over there, not just here. You know, that's that's a huge aspect of it. Uh, well, right. I mean, because because if if nine eleven happens, that's a travesty. But everybody forgets or just doesn't know about the the bombing of the Sudanese ph pharmaceutical factory under Clinton that resulted in the deaths of thirty thousand people. Right, right. Uh, and so people don't consider their impact on shit. Right, right. And, and on on impact, uh, there was a guy that I've spent many nights crying about in the past. Uh, particularly, you know, the, the couple of years after the war, but, you know, this, this sort of emotion doesn't go away. Uh, there was a guy that, that we killed. Uh, he, he was an enemy combatant, uh, but let's be realistic. Uh, he was a young guy. He probably had no future, and he was prob probably not even ideologically indoctrinated into the Taliban's way of doing things. They provided a paycheck and safety for his family, or if he, if he became a martyr, then uh, you know his family would get paid. So he and I are, in a manner of speaking, I never knew his name, but we're parallel. We're the same. Uh, I could tie this into Lysander Spooner. Are you familiar with him by chance? Oh yeah, Lysander Spooner wrote the No Treason. That's that's a great series. Yes, yeah. He uh, and I'll, I'll do my best to summarize this. You may be able to do a better job, but uh, he likened the the ballot to a bullet. Uh, both sides of the ballot and the bullet, they're, they're opposing sides and they're not really involved willingly. Even if you weren't conscripted, but you enlisted of your own volition, uh, you're, you're still coerced and, and basically tricked because of your naivete 
uh, you're tricked into being in that situation and you're you're thrust into this this conflict with someone else and you have to cast the bullet before he casts one back at you and it's the exact same thing with casting a ballot uh, in both instances it's force and coercion yeah and that's a good that's a good uh, s- summary there and and like you know I, I suspect this is just a suspicion i i don't have anything to back this up necessarily but i'd love to get somebody from infinity award to talk about it i i suspect that uh the reason call of duty is is, is allowed to thrive in the way it is the, the reason these you know war video games are allowed to thrive in the way that they are even though they depict war as something corrupt and terrible and they have all these quotes from this all these anti-war people is because people don't pay attention to the quotes about how terrible it is and they don't pay attention to the politics of the game when you're in the moment and when you've got unlimited health basically when you don't have to worry about your leg falling off and um watching your partner's intestines spill out um when you don't have to worry about basically what war is when you can be detached from it it can put you in a headspace you know like all these war movies where you think that it'll be fine and i'll just go over there and be a better soldier and a lot of these people probably are like heavily recruited by this barrage of pro-military games mm-hmm. um you know it wouldn't surprise me if that was something you know the pro-military games movies music all these things were just recruitment tools even the ones that really showed something gritty because people disconnect they're not willing to look at the person as the same as them they just want to think of them as an npc an NPC, yeah. Uh, I I believe Infinity Ward and maybe some of these other massive companies uh, actually met with the Pentagon or other uh, official entities. Uh, now I don't know if they were collaborating for advice or if there was something else included. Uh, as you stated, it's as you implied, it's basically a, a form of indoctrination. Oh yeah, and and of course you know when people get there, they 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 realize that it's going to be a little bit harder than just pulling triggers and pushing buttons. Yeah. And, um, and I, I think a lot of people like they don't, they don't feel as though they were, they were given the proper information. It's not like they were given a, 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 a good deal of contract. You know, you will deal with PTSD for three years after, after, after you get out, they don't think about that. They just think, I want to go in. I want to get a paycheck. I want to get easier time in college. I want to get, you know, all of these other things. They don't think about, I want to go to war for the most part. And these sorts of vicarious experiences, I think, make them more okay with the concept of going to war, even though they won't understand what war is until they're there. Right, right. And and how do we overcome companies like this that are indoctrinating children uh, into this romanticized version of war uh, and even when they get to the age of where they're they're realizing that you know if they're enlisting that they, that they actually are going to go to war a lot of people actually do accept it and they almost want it i, I actually have a couple of housemates here who are uh, reservists in the marine corps uh and uh they they're all about it they want to go and no matter how much i talk to them they're still i get it it's a rite of passage uh and i can't there's nothing i can do to to dissuade them from desiring that rite of passage uh it's interesting but how, how do we get rid of this the systematic indoctrination i mean besides boycotting it raising awareness doing what you're doing i, I suppose that's a start you know well i think it's more like you know because 
watching something like this or listening to it if you're on your phone like listening to us talk on your way to work or whatever i think i think that's part of it but i think the primary part of it is being willing to talk about this sort of thing to your neighbors i always say at the end of my uh, my e-radio show moment of rage i always say base well almost always sometimes i forget i always say educate your neighbors educate your friends educate anybody you care about anybody you want to see thrive because Basically, the information is what's key. I mean, you mentioned Alex Jones. I, I used to be into him before um, before I realized that basically he was a shill for whatever politician seemed to be spewing something parallel to what he was spewing. Um, but his analysis of the Bilderberg Group is one of the things that got me to realize that all these corporations and military uh, and, 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 you know, fucking non-governmental organizations and political campaigns and everybody, they're all connected. They all have representatives at various tables, Bilderberg being only one of them. Um, and they all have, you know, very specific keyed in interests. Um, and it's getting people to realize that it's getting people to step away from the paradigm on a personal level and step far enough away from it that they're willing to help other people get where they are from where those people are as well. That's, 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 that's what's going to get us out of this. Right. Right. Uh, it's becoming more and more mainstream to, to see that the people are not in control of this country. And I, I, perhaps I'm in a sort of ideological echo chamber and I'm just seeing reflections of you know, my own desires. But I, I think things are things like that are becoming more mainstream. Uh, heck, even even back to Alex Jones, even uh, uh, after this recent attack uh, on Syria, uh, his reaction, I'm sure you saw it. He was pissed. I mean, he even went to, uh, to my shock. Uh, he even went as far as to say, fuck Trump. That was a beautiful tirade, and I, I hope that he's going back to his more anti-establishment roots, but I'm not going to keep my fingers crossed. Yeah, well, I mean, and if he does, it won't stop me from thinking that he's, you know, just basically a shill, because, mm -hmm. like, essentially, yeah, if he goes back to his anti-establishment roots, it would be better for the anti-establishment, because they'd have, you know, a sort of spokesperson, but then he could basically say whatever he wanted, and the anti-establishment would run with it, so maybe that would be a controlled opposition as well, I don't know. Right, right. Uh, so, perhaps I'm out of place in doing this, but uh, could you... Um express to the the listeners the uh the intent of the anti-war chat that we're involved in oh that's yeah that's fine uh so this is going to be a chat i'll post a link in the uh in the description for this uh for the podcast in the video uh, it's it's a chat for for anybody who's interested in serious anti-war activism we have a section for targets we have a section for uh for actions we have essentially enough rooms enough specific specific points of information that they can really sink their teeth into anti-war activism and uh, and and i wanted it to be nice and accessible which is why i put it on discord even though it's not the most secure platform and i'll be getting a a telegram uh for for like more sensitive messages and i already have a wicker if you want to send anything to my wicker at insanity is free uh if you just want messages that'll self-destruct um, so, and, but if you do, if you do want to send me a self-destructing message, send it during the daytime Pacific time, because otherwise, you know, I might not get to it in time, but yeah, this, this chat is, um, is designed to get people into anti-war activism. It's going to be designed to get people 
on board and active instead of just being like on the sidelines. And uh, and that's where I met. Uh, that's well, I we follow each other on Twitter and we have for a while. But um, this is where I really met um, Sans Latat or um, um, uh, Matthew King. Um, go ahead. Oh, it's you know it's it's uh it's very appealing to me this this chat the uh, anti-war chat on Discord uh, because the uh, sort of classical anti-war left you know around the time of the Vietnam era they're gone where are they I, the the left and the right are completely unified now and you know I I'm a an anarchist uh, if I wanted to say things in the style of, of Co Adam Kokesh I would say I'm a voluntarist because there's a lot of negative connotations affiliated with the word anarchist. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm not ashamed to say it at all. Uh, so when I speak in the left-right paradigms, I'm speaking from a perspective of um, practicality, um, because there is a problem that we're facing right now, and it's that there are war hawks in Washington right now trying to send kids to war. World War III might be starting even. We don't know. I, I'm, I'm only speculating. I mean, things are. if you studied foreign policy and geopolitics, you, you can see World War III might actually be starting. Uh, and there is no anti-war left. It's astonishing. Where are they? I spoke to a highly liberal professor of mine just the other day, and I mentioned what just happened in Syria. Uh, and she goes, she basically said, well, you know, Assad shouldn't have been doing this and that, which, mind you, these claims are still alleged. Uh, but she didn't say anything about, well, maybe we shouldn't go to war. We shouldn't send kids to war. She was really pro-establishment, pro-neocon, but she's a progressive leftist professor it's it's terrible so we need chats like like this anti-war chat on, on discord well and and of course i think um and we have a question in the chat uh on youtube um but i i think a good thing to mention is that the, that if you were only on the left because there was a republican in office and if you were only anti-war uh, because there was a Republican in office, um, then you were never part of the anti-war left. If 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 you oppose war, you oppose it no matter no matter who's in office, right. and that's the reason. In order to get the, like the initial support for this chat, I posted this tweet that said, you know, retweet this if if you'll oppose war no matter who's president, because that's what really counts. Being on the anti-war left is worthless. Being anti-war is what counts. Yes. You know, right. and, and the anti-war left, they were real big under Bush. Like, you know, all these fucking bands came out with their anti-war albums and all these anti-war um, movies came out and it, yeah. you know, it was a great time. And it was like, fuck Bush, he's dumb, he's a monkey, which is interesting on its own because most of these people would say that calling somebody a non-human animal is uh, fascism unless they do it. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's it, you know, it, it's it's very valuable to remember that consistency requires the ability to make personal sacrifice, and um, and if you if you are willing to make that personal sacrifice, then maybe that might come with sacrificing your political affiliations, uh, you know, to join an anti-war movement, to 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 be opposed to the system before the system uh, grows to a point where it can't be opposed. Um, go, go ahead. ahead. So, well, if I could take things to a kind of a, a different level, um, I, uh, I don't believe 
that violence should be used as a means of of uh, getting getting your way. You know, uh, uh, I think the non-aggression principle is uh, an, an amazing foundation for for anarchism. Uh, just simply, for those who don't know, simply do not force or, or coerce anybody to, to doing anything. Uh, you know, everything should be voluntary. Uh, that being said, being nonviolent in that regard doesn't mean that one should not be able to defend oneself. Uh, so I, I'm absolutely vehemently advocating for arming yourself, learning how to uh, shoot guns. I'm just going to say it plainly, learn how to shoot, uh, buy some good equipment and train to the point, it, train to the point where you're proficient. And that would distinguish you from as, as a responsible gun owner from an irresponsible gun owner, actually being proficient with your weapon. And this, right. ties, this ties into you know, the Marine Corps stuff. That's where the, a lot of this stems from. And you were going to say something? I said, well, right. <laughs> Oh, okay. you're you're absolutely right about that. I mean, gun control should be being able to hit your target and nobody else. Right, right, exactly. Uh, now that being said, uh, the um, assault weapons ban of 2018 is is upon us. Uh, I think it has a good chance of passing. Some would argue otherwise. Um, so this is where I'm going to plug Cody Wilson. Uh, He's also an anarchist. Uh, I don't want to slap any more labels on him, but simply put, he, he's an anarchist. He runs Defense Distributed, and he, uh, I'll show you here, he makes this machine called the Ghost Gunner. And uh, essentially, you take an 80% completed lower receiver, you put it in the machine, which is plugged into your computer, and it makes a firearm. Essentially, what is the legal part of the firearm, the lower receiver? And no one knows about it because these 80% lowers are, uh, they're not regulated. It's a paperweight. So you can take a chunk of aluminum and then when you put enough money into it in time, then you can get this. So there's nothing illegal about it. It's, there's no registration. There's no serial number. It's perfectly legit. And it's, a legal way to subvert the state and should things get worse should uh, the assault weapons ban kick in should uh, world war three kick off or something else who knows um, you might need a machine or know someone who has one uh, but there are laws that complicate things there if you use someone else's machine so look, look into that but uh, I, I think it's i look at anarchism from the perspective of you also need to be well armed not just well educated does that make sense? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, because without the ability to defend what's in your skull, when it in, what's in it doesn't matter. Right. Right. It's like the first and second amendment are forever intertwined. They're they're married, if you will. Yeah. Well, and and you know, because we have a question in chat. I'm not sure if they're still watching because we have fairly low viewers right now, but. Um, Dominic asks, do you think there is ever a just cause to go to war? Which is an interesting question that sort of ties into that. I have uh, talked about that uh, with, with friends uh, quite a bit, though. So, no. Uh, to, to go outside of, of, of your, your boundaries, what, what is your, your land, if you will, uh, to go to war? No, absolutely not. Uh, but 
to be engaged in war and combat and, and physical violent conflict is okay. I, I'm not a, you know, I don't, I don't think pacifism is, is the answer, utter pacifism, because then you, you wouldn't defend yourself. Now, okay, so violence, I'll put it in, in these terms, violence is acceptable in my opinion, only when there is an absolute imminent threat uh, to, to you and those around you, but to, to go outside of, of your area, your country, what have you, to go to war, no. No, absolutely not. Uh, some might say that World War II is justifiable. Um, you know, things get kind of kind of gray there because the Nazis were a huge threat. Uh, I, I'm not a historian, so I, I couldn't analyze that and say, well, that was actually justified. Uh, I don't know. But generally speaking, no. Only in self-defense, actual self-defense, not preeminent self-defense. Right. And, you know, because if you want to talk World War Two, World War Two, the U.S. involvement was spurred by Pearl Harbor, which they let happen. Yes. And, you know, World War One, it was spurred by the Lusitania, which shocker of shockers, they let happen. And um, and so all these these wars, you know, 9-11, they let happen. Uh, all these wars that the U.S. somehow has to get involved in is always the result of something they just, whoops, I guess we're in war now. And right. so and so then they go to war and they basically have like an invasion of another country. And then fucking Americans wonder why they have enemies, why the globe treats Americans as lazy slobs. Well, maybe it's because from the comfort of their homes, they say, yeah, fight those motherfuckers. And they don't know who those motherfuckers are. Right, right. And as you said in that video that I mentioned of yours earlier, uh, we've always been at war. Always. Now, you don't know about most of them if you haven't read into it. Uh, was it A People's History of the United States? I, oh, maybe it was a different one. Uh, there's, there's some literature out there that talks about all of the wars the U.S. has been involved in all around the world. I mean, not, not to mention clandestine operations, you know, just overthrowing governments. Uh, so, you know, sending their people to war with their own governments, if you include those. I mean, geez. Yeah, it's, and I mean, that. then the, the fucking pedants will come out of the woodwork and say, well, you know, I don't call that a war because d the two countries aren't officially fighting. There hasn't been a declaration. And then oh, you yeah. just realize that those sorts of people need to shut the fuck up and realize that a war is a war, even if the official parties don't call it a war. Right, right. Uh, I mean, I could imagine, you know, I'm, I'm 29 right now. I could imagine down the road, you know, I'm starting to get real old and I've got a 17, 18 year old son or daughter and they're talking about enlisting in the military. Uh, I'll do everything in my power to make sure they don't. I mean, not just for their own life from a sentimental perspective, but also because we would be supporting killing people who are just defending their country or their, their land. Yeah, well, and not to mention that, but a lot of those people are, like, defending their land as a result of, you know, invasions that have happened prior, and rebels that the U.S. has armed, and, you know, I mean, the fucking Soviet-Afghan conflict, I bring it up regularly, because it's a really good example of the U.S. creating the, quote, enemy. The Mujahideen that they've literally armed and funded, um, and, and pointed it, like Russia, saying, here... The, God is on your side. We believe God is on your side. Go, you know, shoot these Russians. And then, you know, they shot the Russians. And then suddenly 
uh, there, there was a bunch of groups in the region that were empowered to shoot people because God said so. And we have things like uh, Al-Qaeda, Al-Nusra, uh, ISIS, you know, all these terrorist organizations that are just suddenly, quote, here um, out of nowhere, you know. And the U.S. still perpetuates that lie, that obvious lie. Yeah, it's amazing. It, 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 yeah, it really is. It's amazing that people still fall for it. Uh, the, uh, what's, what's happening in Syria and with the, with the rise of the uh, Islamic State, my gosh, there's been an insurmountable degree of insurmountable. Sorry, can't speak. Uh, there's been so much research and journalism on that subject. Uh, if you look at the Arab Spring, uh, this this series of faux revolutions, uh, a series of dominoes falling as per American foreign policy. If you look into the project for a new American century, and I mean they had all this lined up or uh, outlined rather. Uh, when the when the domino came to to Syria. Assad by then knew what was going on, and he's like, it's not going to happen here. Uh, so we started funding these so-called moderate rebels, right? And they turned out, you know, like, like al-Nusra, uh, Ahrar al-Sham, uh, Jaysh al-Islam, if I'm saying it right, I hope. Uh, a lot of these, these groups that, that had al-Qaeda ties already uh, were funding these moderate rebels. And as soon as it was exposed that they weren't moderate at all, the mainstream media just stopped talking about it altogether. And then some kind of, I don't know, behind the scenes, I don't know the details, but all of a sudden the Islamic State, this this old dead ideology was resurrected, just the most extreme. It's like Wahhabism on steroids. Uh, and now that's the new enemy uh, that Russia has been fighting more than the United States. Uh, it, it's it's just amazing. It, it's all these proxy wars and we're advocating for, for proxy wars right now with a major world power. It's, it's absurd. Uh, yeah, and I don't think that they're going to stop doing the 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 triple tap policy either. You know, let's 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 bomb the area, let's bomb first responders, and then let's bomb whoever gets there so, like soon afterward. Let's just bomb literally everybody by by putting down three strikes, and you know, it's just a video game. It's just bullshit. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the propaganda involved in that is just, it's amazing. The, uh, the white helmets, for example, in Syria, they're viewed as like a humanitarian uh, you know, group or organization of people, but really they're, they're working for uh, these, these Islamic extremists. Uh, but then when Assad perhaps attacks the white helmets, it's, you know, he's viewed as, as, a, as a monster, but really they're, they're, they are his enemy. Uh, we're, we're digressing a bit too far. I don't know if you want to stay within the realm of philosophy, anti-war stuff. But... Well, well, we do have limited time. So yeah. my my thing that I was going to say is uh, if you had one thing to say to anybody who was about to enlist, what would it be? Hmm. How would you convince them not to? I would ask them if they're okay with killing potentially innocent people. And if they're not okay with it, then they shouldn't sign the contract. That's really about the, that discussion would probably go a lot farther, but uh, that's really the, the core of it, killing innocent people. That's a really good way to start. I like that. And uh, if anybody, because that, that's what I want to do. I want to encourage people to, learn from people who've been there about why they shouldn't go.
And I want to encourage people to educate their friends and neighbors, their family, anybody that they care about, um, about the fact that this isn't just a fringe ideology. This is something that comes from a very real place, and it comes from a very real set of people who were there and realized they shouldn't have been. And the, and the community of, of free thinkers, uh, combat veterans who are against the war, anarchists, we're, we're already a pretty large community and we're growing rapidly. So let's let it be known. <laughs> and that's a good thing too. Because the more people that are willing to proverbially defect, the more popular it has the potential of becoming. You know, if you go AWOL per proverbially, if you leave the plantation, if you realize that this is a human farm and you don't want to be cattle, um, that that's a good first step for most people anyway. Yeah. Uh, now, going uh, going AWOL, uh, or the, the Marine Corps calls it UA, unauthorized absence, uh, it, there are severe ramifications for that for the individual doing it there are other ways to get out though uh administrative ways you, you can get out they're not easy but the uh, ramifications are are, are less I, I recommend the uh the latter route over the former just for your own personal well-being uh, oh yeah but, but defect as you said in the sense that uh you should defect from from this pro-war pro-establishment ideology and right then, it for what it really is well defect from the state really because yeah. you can't support the state and not support war you can't like and that's one of the things about the anti-war left is that the, the reason they were really there was for free health care and shit similar to that and they didn't realize that that came with drone bombing brown people overseas they want to think that they can get one without the other well there can't exist a welfare state without a warfare state. And they go hand in hand because the purpose of the welfare state, it's a hugely untenable, um, you know, m like monetarily, it's hugely untenable. And it, it, it goes like further into debt every year. And the reason it exists is to keep the tax cattle happy and not revolting so that they can continue to do what they really want to do. It's not it's not in our interests and there's no way that it could be in the interests of the common person. Absolutely. Uh, that being said, I, I might sound like a hypocrite. I'm going to college and I'm using the GI Bill, but the benefits are there. I'm using them. So I'm, I guess I suppose you could say I'm getting this indoctrination, uh, kind of using the, the, the state's, uh, you know, little rewards, little sprinkles that they gave me. Uh, if I wanted to be a purist, I would say that anybody going to college is supporting the state because essentially the college is just an indoctrination, college, university, whatever, is just an indoctrination system paid for by the state so that the state can continue to indoctrinate people past the point when they're, um, when they're you know, old enough to vote. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, the things that I'm doing uh, in lectures uh, and essays are completely anti-establishment, anti-state. So I, it, it's it's a conflict for me to to want to just keep going, even though I know it's it will have no effect on uh, you know, the career I want to do, investigative journalism. Uh, it's just a I'm just doing it for now, seeing where things can take me. Uh, but I'm trying to get more involved and in, and in, with, with people like you and and the the anarchist and anti-war community. Well, it's much appreciated. 
Um, so I think that about wraps it up. Thank you for uh, for for showing up. Thank you for telling telling the world your story, or at least the uh, couple hundred people who listen to this. <laughs> right. um, and uh, and thanks for being candid and honest about it, because that's that's where the revolution is going to come from. Is it's going to come from people who are willing to be open and reasonable, because the state is neither of those. I absolutely agree, and and thank you very much for uh, for having me on here. It's been a, an honor and a, and a privilege. And it's been an honor and privilege to speak with you as well. Um, anybody else who is interested in uh, in being on this, uh, especially if you're a veteran, if you're uh, if you're if you worked for the intelligence apparatus, any anybody who has anything that they can tell me um, and tell the world, uh, I want to hear from you. So uh, just let me know. You can find me uh, if you need to send me a, a private message about it, so that we can talk about this on a more uh, like secure level. Just wicker me at Insanity is free, and um, yeah, uh, I, I want to get this conversation going because that's the first step: is to educate everybody to get the information out there and what people do with that. Episode one of the State Smash podcast. Um, signing out, I guess. Be well, right, everyone. Talk to you later.